So does everybody have what they need? <laughs> Good. All right. Um, so the theme of the second Sunday of Advent is peace. And um, peace often seems a little difficult to come by, um, both within our own hearts and in the world around us. Um, and in light of our journey in this season, we've been talking about being human together. And so I'd like us to take some time this morning to consider what peace means to us individually, and also how we can find ways as a faith community to encourage one another in our personal peace. Um, there's a quote by um, uh, Eddie Hillison that I really love. And she was a Dutch Jewish author who um, came to a deep faith in God and who died in Auschwitz in 1943 at the age of 29. <laughs> so this is the quote. Ultimately, we have just one moral duty, to reclaim large areas of peace in ourselves, more and more peace and reflect it towards others. And the more peace there is in us, the more peace there will also be in our troubled world. Let's just look at that and think about it for a minute. So what could it mean to reclaim large areas of peace in ourselves? Um, when I was thinking about this talk, I searched the word reclaim, and um, I found some information about a consulting firm called O'Kane that has a number of locations in Canada, and their website says this. I don't trust it, I keep looking. <laughs> so the website says, O'Kane helps mining companies to return the land responsibly and safely at the end of a mine's life cycle. The definition of successful reclamation is the physical stabilization of the terrain, landscaping, restoring topsoil, and the return of the land to a useful purpose. Uh, this is um, a picture of the first one is a mining, a mining site that's currently in operation. And the second one is a site where reclamation work has been taking place. Um, and I'm not making any kind of comment about mining, mining practices. I just like the metaphor of, of what it means to um, have a piece of land used for a purpose, but then to be returned to its original purpose. Um, and so maybe we could think of uh, reclaiming large areas of peace in ourselves as a process of cooperating with God to restore our inner territory. Uh, responsibly and safely to a useful purpose. Or another way we might say that is to grow in enough interior freedom and peace to experience and to live out what, we're, what we were created and are being recreated to be. Lately I've been um, rereading parts of a book of guided prayer retreats by Michael Hansen um, the book is called The First Spiritual Exercises, <clears throat> and early on in the book, Father Michael expresses his belief that uh, the greatest gift we can receive is that of inner peace, 
and that the very desire for peace that's deep within us is itself a gift from God. And then he shares uh, this scripture passage, among others, to help us understand why he believes these things to be true. So this is the scripture, and uh, of course this is Jesus speaking to his disciples before his, his death and resurrection. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Um, as I thought about this uh, scripture, I wondered in this context what the word, word world is meant to be, where Jesus says, not as the world gives do I give to you. Uh, and of course, you can find all kinds of thoughts and opinions about this. Um, but I, I uh, thought that this was a good one, that, um, that in this context, that the world may be the human system that is opposed to God's purposes. So apparently, the ways that we as people and as nations try to bring about peace are different from what God has in mind. Um, so in your understanding, again, let's just take a minute or two to think about this. In your understanding and experience, how does the way that the, the kind of peace that the world offers, how does that differ from the peace that is a gift from God? Any thoughts? Are you talking about personal peace or world peace? Either one, wherever, wherever your mind takes you. The world offers, I think, solutions solutions for both our inner peace and for that of the world. Wow. So how is it different from the gift of peace that God gives? The world usually wants to negotiate. To negotiate? Right, it's not really peace. Give you, give you this for that. Right, yeah, so it's kind of a trade-off then. You can have peace, but you have to give up this. Yeah. God's peace doesn't depend on circumstances. Right, God's peace does not depend on the circumstances that we're in. And you can negotiate it. Peter? God's peace is a guaranteed peace. It's guaranteed, right? The world's peace is pretty unstable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, So God's peace doesn't depend on enough material possessions or, or wealth to bring it about. Mano?
peace is relational so I think I've had the experience of feeling God's peace through prayer but I've also experienced it through you know sometimes a crisis with someone else coming along and having just having their presence be there so I don't know how that contrasts the world's peace but that's how I experience God's yeah. peace yeah yeah. Oh, I think it. I think it contrasts with the world's peace. All right. <laughs> Often, when when groups of people get together, it doesn't exactly feel peaceful. Right. They're there for other purposes, and then that gathering around a person who really needs comfort and help and encouragement. So yeah, it's relational. That's right. So the world's peace, as somebody said, depends on having only good circumstances. Um, sometimes it means getting to a place where there's absolutely no conflict, but often that comes through violence, right? Through guns, as well as said. Um, sometimes uh, I think the world's peace has to do with just having everything in order the way you, exactly the way you want it to be. And that one really speaks to me. Um, I like things to be in order. <laughs> So this shows up in my home. Now, you're going to find a lot of dust in my home, but you're not going to find a whole lot of clutter because I can't function with a lot of stuff around. And I think that's mostly good. I think it's good to keep your surroundings tidy. At least it is for me. However, um, in my felt need for my wider circumstances to be in order is not such a helpful thing. Um, so it often leads to a desire for control. Um, and it can be detrimental to my inner peace and well-being, and it can also be pretty damaging in my relationships with other people. You know, the passive aggression comes out and all that stuff. <laughs> That's not so good. That really has nothing to do with peace. Um, and I recognize that, at least in part, um, the need for control that hinders peace in me um, arises from fear. And even though I've experienced God's love and care for me so consistently and so generously throughout my life, there's still part of me that sometimes feels alone and unsupported. Um, just before the initial quote that we read from Eddie Hillison, she wrote these words. Um, she said, we have to fight them daily, like fleas, these many small worries about tomorrow for they sap our energies. The things that have to be done must be done, and for the rest, we must not allow ourselves to become infested with thousands of petty fears and worries, so many emotions of no confidence in God. That's pretty, pretty clear speaking, isn't it? And uh, I, I hear it. Um, and I have to fight those worries, um, but the way that I need to fight them is by uh, Practicing, I think, the, the spiritual discipline, maybe, of turning my heart and my mind again and again to what I know to be true. And this is it. In returning and rest, 
you shall be saved. Your strength shall be in quietness and in trust. And for this too, I, I need God's help and God's strength. This needs to become what my life is, you know, that constant in every circumstance, turning to God um, and, and turning to one another as well, you know, as, as uh, Virginia, I almost said Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> we had a little conversation about names earlier and how it's easy to mess them up. As, as, as Virginia said, so much of it is relational. And so God uh, comes to us often in, in those around us. And, uh, and we need to return to that place of, of deep knowing that um, in returning and rest, we will be saved. And our strength will be in quietness and in trust. Not in having our circumstances just right, not ha in having enough, whatever that means. Not in having no conflict at all, um, but, but being rooted and grounded in, in the love that God has for us. So to go back once again to the original quote um, from Eddie Hillison, I'm going to share a story that for me gives real life and sort of puts flesh on uh, her belief that the more peace there is in us, the more peace there will also be in our troubled world. So the story is from the time that Renata and I and others spent in Northern Ireland <clears throat> this past summer. And uh, we had the opportunity there to listen to and learn from people who have been involved in peace building in the parts of Northern Ireland that have, are most deeply affected by the um, ongoing uh, and the past trauma um, and violence of the Troubles. Um, as a part of the learning tour in Belfast, we visited an organization called Fourth Spring. Um, and Fourth Spring is located in an interface area, which is a place where Catholic and Protestant or nationalist and unionist residential areas meet. And this is a photo of the building of Fourth Spring. If you look closely, you might see that just in the foreground here, that's Agnes. That's the back of Agnes's head. And over to the right with the hat on is Lawrence. <laughs> So, um, so the building that you see here uh, is a former Methodist church, and it's actually a part of the biggest peace wall in Belfast, uh, actually the biggest peace wall in Northern Ireland. And right beside the building is a metal gate that is still locked every night. And uh, so you can see that uh, even though um, it's, there's meant to be peace, theoretically there's peace in Northern Ireland, but it's not. It's not entirely. Um, it's still a work in progress. So in spite of the peace agreement that was signed in 1998, the trauma still runs very deep and continues to divide the people of Northern Ireland. So Fourth Spring has created a safe place for people from the two sides to come together, to meet one another and to nurture the healing of relationships across the divided communities. Uh, Fourth Spring, Spring offers things like affordable childcare, youth and seniors programs, art programs, and community gardens. This uh, adorable young man is, I believe, the son of one of the, the men who facilitates the community garden that's it's just in the backyard of Fourth Spring. And um, he consented to stop his work for a minute or two to be photographed. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> 
The work of Fourth Spring has often been challenging and difficult, as you can imagine. Um, we were each given a copy of this book. This is Raymond's music. I've got to get it. <laughs> uh, we were each given a copy of this book uh, before we left Fourth, fourth Spring. It's called A Parable of Possibilities, The Fourth Spring Story. And uh, I had the uh, chance to read it um, after I got back home again. And um, uh, it has taken um, a lot of persistence and a lot of courage for their work of reconciliation and conflict transformation to continue. Uh, for example, in the past, there have been examples of arson and uh, vandalism that were done by the youth from one side of the Catholic-Protestant divide because they felt that favoritism was being shown to the other group. Um, also, the writer of this book was very transparent in saying that uh, the Fourth Spring staff have sometimes made mistakes um, that cause mistrust and alienation on both sides, from which it has taken humility and much effort to rebuild. Um, I think it takes persistence and courage for us as well, this work of reclaiming interior peace that will then be reflected to the world around us. Um, I'm very aware of the ways that I disappoint myself and I'm more drawn often to protecting my own interests than to the work of creating the kind of inner peace that will be reflected towards others. And I'm reminded again and again of my need for God's mercy and for the care of my community, for the sake of the mystery and the miracle of just a little more peace in me and in our troubled world. So that's what I have to share, and I'm going to invite us now to just gather in, in table groups. Uh, if you're not with anyone, then maybe just find someone. And um, there are a couple of questions, and uh, Bill has the questions of paper copies, which he's going to hand out. Uh, but we'll just look at them together now. So uh, I wanted to say the questions are, there's quite a bit to them, they're quite a, we're kind of dense, so if, if you don't have time to cover all of them, then don't worry about it. Just, just let your conversation go where, where it's drawn at your table. So the first question is this. What are some things in your life that have made it difficult to experience inner peace? And what has helped to make it possible? And then this is one B, I guess. Um, how can we support one another to grow in inner peace? The second question is, can you think of an example in the life of someone that you know or know about, or in your own life, of the growth of inner peace, helping to bring about peace in the world around us? So let's take about 10 minutes to um, spend time talking with one another about these questions. And I'm glad that you've been having good conversations, and I'm just going to bring you back into this um, so, I'd like to just take a minute, just just maybe one or two, from one or two tables, just to respond. Um, is there anything in particular from your group's discussion that you just think would be helpful for all of us to do? Maybe there was a theme of like, maybe I 
but um, of some things that can be helpful and like good, but that can also be a, but like the, what am I trying to say? Things that can help to bring the peace can also be a, a, a hindrance, or a, you can't always rely on the one thing, maybe, or like. Right. So do you have a for instance? Rosie's <laughs> saying that some of the things that will, will help in uh, growing, I guess, do you mean inner peace and outward peace? Uh, inner peace. Inner peace. Uh, not necessarily consistent. Like sometimes they're helpful and sometimes they're not. So, um, so my own thing was <laughs> I quit a couple jobs in a row because <laughs> it was like majorly adding to not peace. Yeah. But I realized that that's, that was helpful in the moment, and I think good, but that can't be a solution to just run away from things. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So some some discernment is needed. Right? <laughs> yeah. Andre? Yeah, um, I was saying that um, I faced a very difficult situation a few years ago where I was in a project and um, everything was like, I was cut off from the results and it was very frustrating because I was basically the provider of the content. And um, it was a fight that lasted a few years until finally I had to leave town. And uh, I had become a drunk and was suicidal at the time. And uh, a few months after that, I had to submit the content once more and uh, I, I knew it would be refused, but I had really poured myself into it. And at that time, I made a decision, or I realized I need to let go. I need to surrender the outcome, come what may. And um, that was really a profound personal experience to, um, to basically stop fighting. What I learned in there, it's not that you let injustice go on a dress or whatever but at some point you have to realize that you are being destroyed by the fight and that you have no power over the outcome because you can't control people to to do what they should be doing it took the guy a few years before he finally woke up after almost losing everything for himself so that was not in my hands to, to make any change but letting go sometimes you have to accept the thought that um, the wrong will win or evil will win mm -hmm. and I have no power over it so what I can do is just be there and cry or moan and, and, and suffer but let go of the outcome mm -hmm. that can be an opening to bring peace inside mm -hmm. you know to wash whatever is there away yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks, Andre. That makes me think of um, Psalm 131, the one that says, um, I do not occupy myself with great and marvelous things, um, or things too wonderful for me. Uh, I have I have calm and quiet in my soul. And uh, so, I mean, we do. there are certainly times when we, we've got to fight, we just got to fight, right? Like you said, for if it's injustice. Uh, but if it's a fight that's to no good end, or just out of our control, like you said, it's, it takes a lot of wisdom to let it go and to allow peace to, to come into that. Yeah. Anybody else? There was, a, I think, a theme at this table of just feeling 
short, always feeling short of time and rushed and wanting this kind of in the future, this time where I won't be able to have this routine of, of fostering and nurturing mm -hmm. these that just feel rushed and kind of looking at it and saying, it's just a part of a challenge in our own characters. Mm -hmm. And also for me, um, the, one of the passages that you read, um, just right here, <laughs> hit me so hard, right here is because for me, peace, I, I know that my struggle with peace is actually a struggle with trust. And I grew up with a God of the cross. And I so wish I had grown up with, in a gospel of prosperity where, you know, God is kind of like Santa Claus. But for me, God was somebody who doles out suffering for transformation. And and as a child, that became my image of, of God, and it was one I really disagreed with. It's just one that's been hard to learn to trust. And, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, Cynthia, I'm hearing two things. One is just the challenge of um, the hectic nature of our lives um, and the ongoing challenge is to find the space, to sort of carve out the space. To, for stillness and, and just time yeah. for uh, uh, to cultivate peace. Um, and then the other one has to do with, I guess, our, our images of God and how um, it's hard for us to really rest and trust in God because we've learned um, from well-meaning but mistaken sources that uh, God is not who we're learning to know that God is. Well, thank you everyone for participating and uh, sharing your thoughts with, uh, with all of us and with one another. Um, we're going to close this time now with one more scripture and then uh, Raymond's going to come in to do a song for us. And as you listen to these two things, um, I'd like you to just be attentive to what it is that God may be inviting you to take with you as you go, um, or perhaps what has been the gift of, of this time for you. So this is the scripture, uh, and this is from um, uh, Zechariah, who is, the, of course, the father of John the Baptist, um, and he is speaking um, before his son's birth, um, and I guess speaking prophetically. So he says this, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us into the way of peace.
You are a mightier than mountains, and yet you choose day by day, moment by moment, 
moment to come and to live among us. Make us people of peace. Help us to trust you, to walk in the way of peace, and to bring peace as we go. We love you, Lord. Amen. Have a great week and happy second advent. <laughs>